you so much for joining us on at the AIA Healthcare Forum. Happy to spend a little more time with you and do a deep dive on what's happening at the Tech Medicine of USC. One of the things that I'm curious about are the projects that you have going on right now and, and how those might be affecting or changing the way that you deliver medicine and the way that treatments are handled. Can you talk a little bit about the projects and then maybe about... Absolutely. Yep, Phil, and I'm, I love to talk about it because I think we're doing so much in this space. And so I'm happy to share this and get your expert opinions. But part of what we are doing at Tech Medical Center, which is our main mothership, if you will, our high-end tertiary quaternary hub, where we are the regional transfer center for really highly complex cases. Short of building a new tower, which many of the experts in the panel will be able to tell you is really getting costly, we've embarked on an extensive renovation. Three floors of our hospital are going to be kind of gutted and built out. And obviously, again, not necessarily ideal. It's probably best to start. But if you can't afford to do that and you have to start somewhere, we're starting with that. What we plan to do is really move out of the hospital services that we think could be done better at a lower acuity side of care, okay. either in an outpatient setting. And, sure. then, and then really think about how to design what's going into that renovation with the most flexibility Again, we are heavy up on ICUs. We are looking at having big, flexible ORs, hybrid rooms, and cath labs to support one of our signature service lines, cardiovascular cardiac care. So that's okay. what we're doing in the inpatient space. I think we're very focused on that, okay. as well as just making sure that we can double down in being the transfer center that other hospitals look to when they need a bailout for their sickest patients. So how do we just make that kind of flawless. Sure. Um, and technology is certainly part of that, Bill, and just making sure that we can facilitate a patient transfer when needed. Sean, are you doing universal rooms where they're all the same size that can accommodate the the ICU? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the plan. Yes. We've been very much focused on what goes into those technical OR suites. Okay. Part of that, I think, is just, again, thinking about the future and the need for have surgical assist, whether that's through vis visualization or increased imaging capabilities, you're talking about just having to have more space to implement that technology that we see in the future. Exactly what I was going to say, that all those things sound like they're going to take up some space, and so therefore, in order for the ORs to be capable of still providing support years and years out, you're probably making them a little bit bigger than you would normally. Think. That's right. They're bigger and they're more expensive, but the hope is that they'll be able to accommodate whatever technology is coming our way. And some of it is being developed and we won't even know what it is by the time the, these ORs are going to be up and running. Absolutely. You talked about the inpatient center side. How about the outpatient center side? Do you have some things going on there as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. And one of our most exciting projects is going to be what will be for us one of our largest outpatient facilities to date. It's a 100,000 square foot building right in the heart of Pasadena, which will become really a focal point for us for outpatient and ancillary procedures, which we talked a little bit, Bill, I think as the future unfolds, payers driving a lot of that to having service lines like orthopedics, for example, sneeze, routine service lines are going to much more be accommodated in that kind of an environment. So we're trying to contemplate that and then think about all of the imaging, the ambulatory surgery center, what that should look like in the future in that kind of a space. Mm -hmm. 
those things that you just mentioned, right? Knees and hips weren't even contemplated to be outpatient five, 10 years ago. And now look at us, right? So now look at us, 23 hour stays. That's what we're thinking about how to get young and healthy patients that need that in and out and certainly never entering the four walls of the hospital. So very cool. Is Pasadena a new service area for you or just expanding? No, we're expanding. It's just a really core strategic market for us. And we service a lot of patients from Pasadena here at Keck at the Mothership. And so really, again, in the vein of bringing that care closer to where patients live, we just think of Pasadena as front and center for us. Great, great. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the last two to three years of the pandemic obviously very impactful in a number of ways for the healthcare services. What have you seen come out of that? How is that molding maybe some of the future thoughts that you have as, a, as the chief strategy officer? Great. Bill, it's nice to say that we're coming out of it, isn't it? But <laughs> sure is, John. It sure is. <laughs> and I was really proud of how my organization pivoted nimbly during the pandemic. And I think it, what it highlighted for us is, again, this need to build in flexibility as and as the future will show us the fact that we had to stand up vaccine clinics in a week sure. and how do you have that environment that can pivot in that way i think another major ramification of the pandemic that we saw was just the rapid adoption of telemedicine during that time we went from some single digits percentage of our ambulatory visits being delivered via tele to something like now between 30 and 40% overall. And that happened virtually overnight. And so I think what we're really working as a byproduct of that, we think that will be sustained, but what the challenge is now is to make sure that the patient experience in a tele-type consult mirrors what patients would expect and the level of service and care and quality that they would get when they come to Keck. So I think that's the challenge we face now is making sure that patient experience is seamless regardless of whether it's delivered virtually or in person. So lots of work to do. How interesting to think about that, right? Because the patient experience as you come in and not necessarily all satisfiers, maybe some Hertzberg satisfiers. I know that's exactly where I was going, Sean, exactly where I was going. So you have some patient experiences that they don't have to deal with that are necessarily dissatisfiers, but you also have that personal kind of hand-in-glove care that you're not able necessarily to provide across the telemedicine platform, but I'm sure you're finding ways to be able to We're working on it. We have room for improvement, but that's the goal. Absolutely. And I think in large part, though, I think patients are satisfied with those transaction quick visits in and out where they Mm -hmm. don't want to tangle with our academic medical center in East LA and parking and all kind of aggravation, but being able to deliver that through tele has actually given us a service opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just interesting, back to your back to the renovation on the existing floors. Can you talk a little bit about how that's different from what was there before? I'm really curious. It's obviously being renovated and updated, but some of the delivery may be different as well. Yes. So I and I think really again, this has been an interesting experience for me. If I focus in on our cardiovascular service line, mm-hmm. hearing from those surgical experts who are anticipating how the field is changing with more implantable device everywhere from your just routine heart failure kind of maintenance to pre-transplant and what that will look like working with their vascular colleagues how does the cath lab environment for 
procedural tasks need to change. I guess to answer your question, Bill, I would say it's more um, there, it's more of a focus on a comprehensive design team and then a, getting the feedback of a team of clinicians who are working more in a service line model than on a particular single service. So I think it, it seems to be much more comprehensive and collaborative amongst my clinical colleagues. And then what we're trying to do is just deliver that environment that can provide for that and also anticipate what will be coming in terms of future technology. And it sounds like a great collaboration amongst the providers and the hospital in terms of what they see coming in the future and being able to plan, design, and construct what's going to be best for them to deliver the care that they're going to have. Absolutely. Great. Fantastic. A, a couple of other things just to talk about. I'm curious, there's a lot of things going on with sustainability, and I wonder what is tech medicine doing in terms of sustainability and looking towards the future of lowering carbon footprint? Great question, Bill. And I think sustainability is something that is very near and dear to the University of USC's president's heart. When she came in, she said, sustainability is at the core of everything that I think about and problems that we need to solve as an academic medical center and bringing the best and brightest together. So with that charge, Keck Medicine is really trying to design how we think about our future and our goals for being a more sustainable organization. And I think healthcare organizations in general have a large responsibility to address some of those concerns. The large MOB I mentioned that we're developing in Pasadena, this will be one of the first lead platinum projects that we will embark on as a health system, and we're highly committed to that with all sorts of green looking at how this could be completely sustainable. That's fantastic. <laughs> and then I think you mentioned the pandemic and how that ties in. We're doing a lot of work as well to finalize and how we're thinking about the hybrid remote workforce uh, with an eye to climate neutrality and reducing emissions for our workforce. And obviously, I think that's another kind of silver lining in the pandemic is how we've transitioned to much more of our workforce working remote and hopefully having a positive impact with reduced admissions through less commuting, et cetera. We're working on that. We're just trying to figure out how we've joined Green Health in 2022. Great. And so we collaborate with other partners who share these similar goals to developing a more sustainable healthcare enterprise. Fantastic. That's great. That's great. Obviously, very important to the university and also to the greater community as well. So I think last question, but it's going to be in, in 16 different parts because I'm really curious. I want to learn a little bit more and have our listeners learn a little bit, a little bit more about what a chief strategy officer does. I'll probably pepper you with two or three questions, but how far out is your horizon that you're looking at in terms of the things that you're thinking about today? That's a great question, Bill. Healthcare and why I think we all enjoy being in it is just such a dynamic field that I think maybe in the past you could develop a five or a 10 year strategic plan and have those kinds of timelines and horizons. But I think those days have passed because oh. there's so much happening, particularly in a market like LA, where there's increasing consolidation. You turn around, one so's buying so, and more aligning with so that it's just you're constantly on your toes in a very dynamic field. So I think you know, what we've chosen to do instead of having a, a comprehensive strategic plan that comprehends all our service lines is take one service like cancer 
and then figure out how we want to represent what we bring through tech and our Norris Cancer service line out to the community and then attack it market by market, service line by service line. That seems to be a much more fluid, adaptable way to think about strategic planning as we move forward. And as it's such a gigantic market, I know you said you live in Orange County, but how we even think about the LA market and is just with 15 million people, depending on how you define it, we have to have very different strategies for different regions maybe people that we compete with in some markets we're partnered with in another so it's what makes my job super fun and but also really challenging and changing sounds like just a fascinating and really specific way to look at growth through those service lines as opposed to putting together the normal what we did five or ten years ago three ring binder of this is what we're going to do over the next five years and of course all of those take capital to be able to do as well. Obviously, there's only so much, there's a capital envelope that you have in terms of what you can spend. And how does that prioritization work for you? And it always has to, in every job I was ever in, there was never enough money to do everything that everybody wanted. You've got physicians and research and academics that you're having to juggle as well. It's got to be a tough job. Yeah, lots of competing capital demands for sure, just from keeping up the infrastructure here. Good point. Oh, good point. And yeah. then as an academic medical center, the emphasis is on keeping the latest, greatest, most state-of-the-art technology that we're training new disciplines. So that's an expensive part of it. And then as you all know, just the expense of building new facility is just astronomical. We're fortunate at Keck to our university parent that as we presented a business plan that makes sense, that we can show that we think if we do this, the growth will be there, the demand will be there. We talked a little bit about the importance of forecasting kind of future supply and demand. We've been really fortunate to have had backing for that. Part of it though is just because we've grown at Keck and not to be a commercial for Keck, but when I came here 10 years ago, we were at a half a billion dollar healthcare enterprise and now we're at three, almost 3.5 billion. We've had such an impressive trajectory that I think we're people are, anyway, we're worth the bet. But as you suggest, Bill, I think it has to be carefully contemplated business plan. But I think our intent to bring what is highly in-demand healthcare services to the community is it's worthy. And so far, we've just been super successful as we've developed these growth plans. You mentioned it earlier when we were talking. The billion-dollar project, you see them in different places. You really can't build a bed tower without committing a billion-dollar-plus to do that. And some, even some outpatient centers are that way as well. It's obviously a huge financial commitment. And I'd be interested to see what USC does in the future. I don't want to give, I don't want you to give anything away here. but <laughs> Let's just say know. I have new hospital tower and be among some of my colleagues. <laughs> That's uh. a great way to, oh, I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Back to the chief strategy officer piece, I think one of the I think most difficult things is probably not difficult, maybe unique things is really to try to bring that academics in with the physicians and with the delivery of services and the research. How do you balance all that? I was sitting downstairs before I came up to meet with you in the cafeteria, and so I was sitting next to some pharmacy students that were there studying. There's physicians, there's patients, families there. That's your day-to-day challenges is making sure all those things are working together, right? It is a challenge, but it's something that is just so marvelous about being in an academic medical center. Healthcare is a great field, but 
in academic medicine, we just have, I feel like I'm absolutely working every day with the best and the brightest. They're training new physicians. They're coming up with new technologies, new cures for things. And it's exciting to be on the cutting edge. My physicians who are clinicians, scientists, they're teachers. They offer so much. My job as strategy officer is just to put them in a position to succeed, give them the best venues for clinical care that also uniquely contemplates things like clinical research, clinical trials, because obviously as an academic medical center, we're differentiated from some of the community settings. That's why people come to us, making sure that we have that capability and that opportunity to train new providers mm -hmm. and offer the best care that possible for our patient community. So I feel super blessed to have found this field, but be practicing in this environment is just it's amazing and what keeps us excited to come into work every day. <laughs> it sounds like it. Absolutely. Talking about back to what the panel was discussing was the differences between academic health facilities and community hospitals. I think you've done just a great job of outlining how much more happens in an academic setting like you have. And just to piggyback on that, Bill, I think there's so much we can offer to amazing providers in the community who are doing a great job caring for their patients and their community for most of the healthcare needs that patients have. I think where we come in is when something is extraordinary or super complex or that your local community hospital doesn't have that capability. And But what we've really been focused on is how to make sure the community and community providers view this as a partnership and something as we're training the doctors of tomorrow, those are going to be the doctors that are practicing in the community. So we have a unique role to play as an academic medical center, but I think we really we look to do that in partnership and thinking about how we can partner thoughtfully with our communities. <coughs> Sean, thank you so much for spending the time with me today and the listeners. It was just such a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate your time and thanks for giving us some insight into in terms of what chief strategy officers do on a day-to-day -day basis. Thanks again. It was absolutely my pleasure, Bill. Thank you. 